You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. And praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Are you glad to be in God's house tonight? Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. It's good to have you here in the house of the Lord. Why don't you turn around to somebody and tell them I'm glad you're here tonight as well. Tell them you look nice. Amen. Make yourself at home. Amen. It's good to have you. It's good to have Keyshawn here all the way home. Amen. Give him a great big welcome back home. He's been away at college and uh, up in Lincoln, right? Is that right? Yes, up in Lincoln, Illinois. And so we're glad to have him uh, home tonight. Amen. And uh, good to see you. I see Brother O'Rourke back there, snuck in back over here, evangelist. God bless you, sir. Glad to have you here as well. Welcome. Give him a great big welcome. Glad to have him. Amen. How many were blessed by the ministry Sunday of the Word and the Spirit? Amen. Wasn't that just a tremendous time together we had in the Holy Ghost and in the weekend? And I was so encouraged and strengthened by everything uh, uh, that happened over the weekend. So thank you to everyone that helped make CTK such a success. I was here last night. We were at men's prayer, and we had women here at men's prayer. Praise God. They were in the classrooms decorating, getting things ready. was here yesterday. There were quizzers here yesterday in the middle of the day quizzing. And uh, so there's a lot of things going on here and uh, a lot of people serving in different ways. So I just want to say thank you uh, so much for that. And this next week's going to be a tremendous week. Youth Week is always a great week. And uh, we will have uh, limited seating. It, it will probably be packed out, just to warn you. So your best bet to get a seat here if you want to be a part, and we encourage you to be a part, is I would advise you to come Wednesday night or Thursday night, pick a night, usually Friday night. There's not a seat left. So we'll see how it goes. Believe in God for great things. But if you will help us pray... This is an opportunity that CTK has to host an event. There's about 16 churches that are represented officially. There will be other churches beyond that that will be here that will be bringing the young people. And so it is a young person's event, but you can be a part and uh, help us be in prayer for that. How many would like to see our young people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost throughout this week? Amen. Filled with the Spirit, renewed with the Spirit, and let the power of God work in their lives. And so I'm believing God for just, just some great things. So this is not a CTK event, although we do get the honor of hosting it, and we're very, very happy and honored to do so. Amen. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord tonight in the book of Genesis, and we are going to continue uh, a series that I feel like I started about five years ago, but I think it was really actually only maybe, um, I don't know, six months ago. Uh, and so we are in a series that's taken longer than I anticipated, but I knew it'd take a while. It's because part of it's my passion, part of it's part that I enjoy. We did take a two and a half month break, I believe, before resuming in July. We took another month break in February, and I'm going to be able to teach you tonight, and then uh, we'll have to take another week break. So, But we're going to get through this by the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're looking at Genesis chapters 1 through 11, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, and this is titled Origins, A Study of Beginnings. So Origins, A Study of Beginnings. And the reason why we're taking our time with this is because this is perhaps some of the most contested um, and refuted, I would say, I don't know if that's the right word, but most contested 
passages of Scripture outside of probably, and maybe even more so, uh, than the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so those that would be atheist, agnostic, or maybe of other faith, they would just outright deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Genesis chapters 1 through 11 would be also a great area and a place of contest. Now it's also, ironically, an area of great disagreement within the church. And so these chapters cover big, big thematic uh, uh, topics, and primarily probably two things we're going to look at tonight. Uh, one thing we're going to look at tonight, the two big areas of contest, I would say, are the actual creation account and then the actual flood account, the flood account. Of course, there's other nuances in there, Genesis, uh, the beginning portions of Genesis chapter 6 and other passages as well. And again, I always say that the Bible doesn't tell us everything there is to know, but it tells us everything we need to know. Amen. So that is the takeaway. And it is possible, not only possible, uh, it's probable that there would be disagreement within this room is, is highly likely. In fact, I would, I would just say without maybe even thinking of anything that I'm sure there's disagreement within this room on these. But one thing that we cannot disagree is that God's word is true. God's word is true. And so we're looking at an ancient text given to, to people that had a, a, uh, a wealth of knowledge and deeper understanding than we do, and we're looking at it from a modern Gentile Western Hemisphere viewpoint and trying to interpret it. And so we have to handle the text, be careful how we handle the text. And so I, I have not answered every question that I have. You will have questions that, that are not, uh, will not be answered. And so some things are left for us to suppose. Some things are left for us to fill in the blanks. There are hints. There are things that will give us uh, clues, I believe. Um, and we may disagree over certain things, like how old the earth is, and we may disagree um, over certain aspects, maybe even of the flood, which we're going to begin tonight to look at that in the life of Noah. But one thing that we cannot disagree with is that God's Word is true, that there is a God, that He did create, that he is in control, that sin is uh, absolutely an affront to God, and God's disposition against sin is such that there is judgment, that God's judgments are just. Amen. And thank God for his mercy and grace that gives us a way out. So with all of that, I have given you my best, uh, my best interpretation, my best understanding of the text. At times I've presented a, a myriad of viewpoints. I've, I've presented alternate views and then giving you cause for why I would fall into a certain uh, category, I guess, and reasoning for that. And there are times that there would be, there would be disagreement in the, in, in the church, and that's okay. Last week, um, and I wasn't going to say this tonight, but just since I'm here, I'm already going to say this. Uh, the Bishop of the United Pentecostal Church International released a podcast, I think it was this week, earlier this week maybe, or last week, was it this week? Somebody help me out. This week, all right, this week. And uh, he espoused an old earth uh, viewpoint and he left the door open for, uh, uh, he, he left the door open, I should say, for theistic evolution, but I don't want to do any, any damage there. I have immense respect for Brother Bernard and uh, love and appreciate him and, and thank God for him. I probably have already made my case in certain things and I probably would disagree with, with him on some things 
And I will say this, he's much smarter than I am. So let me just first qualify that. But he does, I appreciate in the podcast his honesty that he says that this is not something that we should uh, uh, quabble over within the church. This is not something that we disfellowship over. You believe the earth is old, you believe the earth is young, whatever. At the end of the day, nobody can probably really prove that because nobody was around and has lived to tell about it. And so he, uh, he gave a great podcast. By the way, if you haven't caught his podcast, I think it's called Apostolic Lifestyle or something like that. I love it. It's an excellent... Thank you. And uh, yes, being apostolic in the 21st century. It's, actually, it's taken a little bit off of his book. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely... I'd encourage you to, to go listen to it. Absolutely. But I'm saying that to highlight that there are times where there would be disagreements on things. But the thing we cannot disagree with, and when we walk away... What you have to be sure of is that the Word of God is true. And so there are answers or there are quest- answers that I haven't found and there are questions that I have that aren't answered in everything. And so I've, I, I sometimes hold myself in a certain position or say, okay, I'm going to wait because I do not want to be guilty of two things. I don't want to be guilty of taking away from the Word of God or uh, avoiding passages of the Word of God or dismissing part of the Word of God. I also don't want to be guilty of putting things into the Word of God. That's very important, how we handle Scripture. And so I'm taking, I've been very methodical and, and uh, maybe, what's the word, uh, um, a little maybe overboard on how long it's taken me to get through all of these chapters. But what I want to illustrate to you as pastor, what I feel that is my responsibility as pastor, is that you be sure of the Word of God for yourself. Because at the end of the day, You're not going to stand before God and be able to say, well, pastor said this. You will have to give an account for yourself. Now, we'll have to give an account, all of us, for every idle word, everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that I I teach, everything that I preach. I'm going to have to give an account for. I'm going to have to give an account. This this is the sword of the Spirit. This is the Word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And I'm going to have to give an account how I use it. I'm going to have to give an account if I ever use it to offend, if I ever use it to hurt, if I ever use it out of order. But you are going to have to give an account for yourself. And so you must be persuaded in your own mind, and you must be uh, uh, confident in your own mind that the Word of God is true. That being said, that doesn't mean that God's going to answer every question, amen, that you're going to have. So sometimes there's going to be things. So let's jump in tonight to chapter number 6. We are here, and we finished last week, uh, uh, last week, we finished last lesson, two months ago now, in chapter 6, verse 8, we finished with the statement, or the verse, chapter 6, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, if uh, you want to catch up to where we're at now, go back to part 17. You can find it on YouTube, and I believe you might be able to find it on, I'm looking for Brandon right now, I don't know where he's at. He's in the sound booth. Can you find it on the podcast? Chat part 17. You can find it on the podcast at some point, and uh, you, can, you can listen through that. But we were talking about how Scripture was talking about how wicked humanity is, and now it comes down to Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And what was missing, I highlighted, what was missing was that anybody else found grace in the eyes of the Lord. No one else found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we talked about how probably never in the history of the world will we again 
be to such a place where there is only one person in the whole of Scripture that finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Amen. You're not alone, right? Look around you. Look around the room. These people are here by the grace of God as well. And thank God for that. We ought to be thankful that I don't serve God by myself. I'm not the only one. Amen. There's going to be somebody else. The prophet said, Lord, I only am left. This is thousands of years ago. This is some, what, 2,500 plus years ago. And he says, oh, no. He said, how many, how many thousands are there? <laughs> 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal that are still staying loyal and faithful to me. So if, if Elisha could not realize, was it Elisha or Elijah? Elijah? If Elijah, thank you, if Elijah did not fell all alone and didn't realize there were 7,000 other people that were still faithful to the Lord that God saw, then how much more we? But when we come to Genesis chapter 6, what the text is telling us is that Noah found grace. That's terrifying. That's incredible to think about how the world was at that point. One time. So if you will, let's pick up from here in chapter 6, verse 8. Read. So the Lord. Yes, read on. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and, a, and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Okay, let's pause there. So he starts out, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Where does that language have familiarity for us? Enoch, right? And who was Enoch to Noah? His great-grandfather. So Noah's great-grandfather walked with God and was not, for God took him. We already talked about that. And then Methuselah, whose name meant that when he, when he passes, it comes, talking about uh, the judgment. And ironically, Methuselah died the very year that the flood would come. Methuselah has a, has a son by the name of Lamech. Lamech prophesies. When Noah's born, he, he prophesied. So we're seeing a lineage here of men of God to a certain extent. Um, and then we come to Noah, and the Bible's invoking this same thing upon him. Noah walked with God. Read. And Noah begat three sons, mm -hmm. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. All right. And the earth was filled with violence. Yes. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Right. Now, we've already established this previously in chapter 6 when God already says, I will destroy man. So we're going to skip over that tonight because we've already established that. Go on. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. There was uh, implication here of, of gross immorality. Go on. And God said unto Noah, Yes. The end of all flesh is come before me. Mm -hmm. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All right. So um, isn't it interesting now? We, we, oh, man, this is so good. Isn't this good? Did you see that? Somebody told me, they said, Pastor, I've read Genesis 1 through 11, and I have never seen all of that before. There it is. The earth is filled with violence through them. You can get God's disposition against sin. Are you catching that here? Against the violence. God is at such, a, and it's, it's probably hard for us really 
to go back. But just in your mind, try to imagine with me. Noah is the only one that is left that God finds favor in, if you will. And he says in the earth, it is filled. It is filled with violence. And, and, and so now God says, I will destroy them with the earth. This is a hard, hard statement. Now, one thing we've got to note here is that this is, why is Genesis 1 through 11 so important? Because this is the anchor, this is the anchor of scripture by which we derive the concept of morality, of right and wrong, of righteousness, of sin and rebellion against God. And here God is speaking out against the sin and he is saying, I am going to bring judgment. He's talked about their immorality. He's talked about their murder. In fact, in chapter 4, what was it? Lamech, a descendant of Cain, murders somebody, and then literally he brags about it. <laughs> and this was just sort of their take. And so God's disposition is strong against them. The judgment of God is coming against them. And this is why these passages of Scripture are under attack. Because we live in a world that does not want anyone to be a moral police in their life. Right? Can I, can I just be plain? Can, we just, can just, we just be real tonight? We live in a world that doesn't want any policing in their life. You don't have a right, is the attitude of the world, to tell me what I can and can't do. What I can and can't be. What I can and can't say that I am. You don't have a right. And so they want to throw all of morality out. I, 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 I don't make light of what's going on in the world right now. But you have to laugh a little bit. Not in a it's funny sense. But you have to laugh of the, at the irony of immoral people in the world today trying to grasp some morality and say it's wrong for a nation to go in unprovoked and destroy and kill innocent civilians. Why do I laugh? I'm not, I'm not taking light of this. What I'm saying is the world makes a mockery of itself because it speaks out of both sides of its mouth. It says, don't tell me what I can and can't do. But yet they want to rise up and say, this is wrong. I'm going to tell you, creation is going to testify that there is a God no matter what you say. And even the most wicked in the world today, some of the most wicked in the world today are standing up to denounce unjustified violence that's taking on in the world. In doing so, they condemn themselves. Because you are claiming that there is a moral authority in this world. And this is exactly what Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is saying. And we ought to, we ought to be praying for uh, uh, the situations that happen uh, 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 over in Ukraine and other parts of the world. And you ought to be praying for the churches over there and the people over there. And uh, there's people in Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, all of these nations around here that don't, they don't have anything in the fight. And for the love of money, uh, 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 all love comes about for the love of money and things are happening and things are going crazy right now. 
And I know a lot of a, a, a lot of media and a lot of politicians, everybody's trying to make sense of what's going on. But really what's going on is that this world is in a mess and sin is at play. Now you fill in all the details and you come up with all the stuff. But the problem is, is that sin is at play and, and it's not going to stop. I wish we could eradicate it. I wish we could stop it. Can you imagine this? Think about this. Jesus at wars and rumors of wars. Isn't that crazy? There's going to be so much stuff going on in our high, into, uh, our high technological age where we have access to all kinds of things. There's going to be so much stuff going on that you're not going to be able to keep up with what's going on around the world. God save, God save, uh, uh, God save your people. But here we see right here, God's vengeance comes out against judgment. And if you have a hard time watching what's going on, not only now, but throughout the history, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's been horrible atrocities that are going on pretty much in parts of the world my entire life. Whether we know about it or not, it's happening, and we end up finding out about it. Horrible things that people are living through. And whether it's whole nations or it's just whole tribes or part of place, horrible things that are going on. But God will bring judgment Someday, there is a judgment coming. Somebody said amen. amen. There is a judgment coming upon all these things. The evil that is being played out in the world right now, you will not get away with what is happening in this world today. God is coming, and He will settle the score. Amen. Thank God for that. And Lord, help me, amen, to not be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Read on. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Okay, so here he goes on now. He's be telling him what's going on, and he immediately goes in to telling him what's going to happen. Make an ark of gopher wood. Now, we're going to read through this portion here, and I want to get down to verse number 18. So go ahead and read through this, and let's just follow along if you can. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But All right, so here we are in verse 17. Now, he's talked, about, he's talked about the ark, and he gave a few little things, but that doesn't, that doesn't tell us everything. We can, some, some people tried to figure it all out, but this is, a, this, is a big, this is a big boat or an ark here. And then he says, I, even I. He's emphatic here. He's letting this be known. I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy what? All flesh. All flesh wherein is the breath of life. So all flesh, wherever there is breath of life, God said, I bring a flood to destroy it from under heaven and everything 
that is in the earth shall die. So he's not just talking about humanity here. He's talking about other creatures, other animals, other beasts, other living things. Go on uh, now in verse number 18. But with thee. But with thee. Who's he talking to? Noah. All right. Will I establish my covenant? Yes. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing, of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt Mm -hmm. thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Okay. Of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. Yes. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah. Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. So did he. All right. So we look here at this passage, God speaking to him, Noah, you found grace in my eyes. And, and this right here is not mean, does not mean that Noah was evil. And Noah, you alone found grace. I'm going to give you grace and not everybody else. That's not what that is implying. But it means that Noah's righteous life or Noah's life before God uh, made him happy. And that's why he called him uh, a perfect man and he walked with God. And so now God comes down and God says, Noah, and I want to highlight this, God establishes covenant with Noah. So if you're going to write something down, I'd write this down. God establishes covenant with Noah. He he singles Noah out because of Noah's lifestyle, because of who who Noah is and what's going on. And God says, I am going to enter into a covenant with you. This is unique. He's bypassing all other humanity, not because he does not have a desire for them. He's already had a desire for them. He's already given a promise to bless them. But yet they have rejected him. They have uh, removed him from their life. And so now Noah alone is left. And so Noah, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And this is paramount. This is huge. This is massive because he says, basically, I am going to destroy all flesh. I'm going to destroy all beasts. I'm going to destroy the earth, all vegetation. Everything is going to be destroyed. And you alone are going to be saved. And I'm going to allow you to bring your family. You're going to bring your sons, your wife, and your son's wives. You're going to bring them with you. And and God is going to reset, if you will. He's going to reset the earth with what he's doing here with Noah. He's not recreating the earth. He's not starting anything new. He's resetting the earth. And so he's using Noah, man, whom he's already created. And he's using uh, uh, beasts of the earth. He's taking them two by two, seven actually of each kind as we'd see in two of the unclean, male and female. He's bringing them and he's going to use them to reset the earth. And everything in the earth is going to change. The, 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 uh, uh, everything about the earth as we're going to look forward is we're going to find out is going to change. It's going to affect the longevity of life of humanity. It's going to affect everything. Before the flood, before this point, they were vegetarians. After the flood, when they come out, there is no vegetation. And God tells them everything that you see, both of the, of the earth and that of also all of the beasts, you can eat 
of all of that. So everything changes. The whole, uh, uh, the world that Noah is going to know after the flood is not the same world that he's going to know uh, before the flood. It's going to be a reset. So God is starting over with Noah and he's establishing a covenant. He's doing something significant with Noah. And I, I want to highlight this tonight, that covenant includes instructions. Covenant includes instructions. God says, I want to make a covenant with you, Noah. And he gives them instructions right off the bat. Covenant includes instruction. If you and I today want to enter into covenant with God, he's ready. Whosoever will, let him come. He's looking for us to enter in. God wants to have a covenant with you and with me. But covenant includes instructions. What were the instructions that he gave? Well, the first instruction he gave was build the ark. Build the ark. Okay? That seems simple. But then he describes this monstrosity of a building (coughs) to a man who is, in the narrative, when we come to this part in the story, Noah is 500 years old. And he says, build an ark. Not only are you going to build the ark, God gives him the dimensions of the ark. God gave him a blueprint. He had never seen an ark before, probably. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that there weren't other arks, but for whatever reason, he couldn't buy one. He couldn't borrow one. He couldn't rent one. God said, build one. And so he builds one. And, and we don't know all the things, but, but, but what it's letting us know is that God gives Noah the plans. <coughs> He gives him the parameters. Aren't you thankful that when God gives you instructions, He will give you all of the instructions? Psalmist said that my steps are ordered of the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. (coughs) So he tells him to build the ark. And then the second thing, which we'll come to in a minute, not only does he build the ark for 100 years, years, but then he tells them to enter the ark, and we'll look at that in a minute. But here's, here, under, under, the point, under point one, build the ark. Covenant includes instructions. Build the ark. The first point I'd like to make this is this, that instruction requires obedience. Instruction requires obedience. So this did not work only because God said, but this also depended a whole lot upon Noah obeying what God had told him to do. Now, there are other parts in Scripture and other places where we know that if um, uh, uh, if it didn't work out, God would just find somebody else, right? Isn't that, isn't that the story of Esther? Isn't that what Mordecai uh, uh, told Esther? And he said, Esther, if you don't do this, salvation, what did he say? Salvation's basically, it is going to come from somewhere else. God's going to find a way. But in this story, we don't have, we don't have a backup plan. There's no alternative. Why? Because Noah found grace. There's no second. There's no other. This is incredible what 
the Bible is telling us here. And yet God would come down to Noah and say, Noah, I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to establish a covenant with you. He let him know that there is a judgment that is going to come. And you will be saved because you have entered into covenant with me. God told him exactly what the judgment was going to look like. And God says, build an ark. And here's how you build it. And here's what you need to do. And here's how it's going to look. But you've got to do this. It's as simple as can be, but you have to do it. And instruction requires obedience. God is establishing something here. The Word is establishing something here. Is that my my mic or his mic? Praise the Lord. Amen. The devil didn't like that, as, as they used to say. I don't know. If, I hope the devil's not in the microphone. But I was just being funny there. So instruction requires obedience. You cannot expect the covenant of God to work in your life if you're not willing to obey. Simple obedience is the key to unlocking the blessings of God in your life. Be quick to obey. Be quick to say, yes, Lord. Be quick to accept God's blueprint for life. Don't argue over the blueprint. (laughs) God says we're going to put a door in the side. But God, I want the door in the back. God, I want the door in the front. Come on, aren't we we that ridiculous sometimes? God said put a window. God, I want ten windows. Hey, you try that. It might that that flood. That that, that might not be a good idea. (laughs) Obey. So simple obedience. Instruction requires obedience, and obedience is not a one-time deal. How long did Noah obey to complete the plan? Anybody know? One hundred years. What are you doing? No, I'm building an ark. No, you've been building that thing for 25 years. I know. What are you doing? No, I'm I'm building an ark. No, you've been building that thing for 50 years. I know. What are you doing? I'm going to church. You've been going to that church for 30 years. Come on, you've been doing that. Long obedience is required. Obedience doesn't... It is not temporary, it is long-term. And so God, I'm going to continue to follow you. That's the challenge in our life. That is the challenge that you and I are going to have to face. I'm 42 years old, and I have to obey God today just as much as I did when I was 12 years old, when I was 22 years old. Well, I obeyed him back then, man. I did a lot of good things. I was a part of a lot of things. But now I'm here, and I still have to obey him now. I don't ever get to retire from obeying God. I have to be in it for the long haul until my dying breath and beyond. Obedience is for the long term. I obey God. Amen. And the second point under this is not only does instruction require obedience, instruction 
requires faith. Faith that God is. Faith that God is. And faith that God will do what He said He will do. And so out of both the terror of coming judgment and out of both the pending salvation, Noah obeys the Lord. And so should we today. We should obey the Lord, not only because we want salvation, but thank God for covenant, thank God for the promise of salvation. But the very fact that we have the promise of salvation means that there will be an opportunity to not be saved. And so our faith must stay strong. We can't quit. We can't turn around. We can't walk away. Our faith does not stand in the wisdom of men, but it stands in the power of God. And we stay faithful to the Lord. If there's one quality that Paul ever ascribes to himself, he never says, I'm talented, I'm smart, I'm gifted, I was chosen, I had the lineage, I had the heritage, I was born at the right time. He never qualifies himself with any of those things. In fact, he says, I am a chiefest of sinners among us. But the one quality that Paul did give himself was he said, God counted me faithful. I was faithful. I'm not perfect. I mess up. Paul says, I die every day. Every day I have to crucify this flesh. Amen. But I'm still here. I'm still here. I fought the fight. I finished the race. I, I, I finished the course. I, I won the race. And he says, there's laid up for me a crown in heaven. I've been faithful. Can I tell you, we, I want to see great revival. I want to see God do great things. I know God's going to open up the windows of hell. I want to see God work miracles. I want to see God work great things through you and through your family. I want to see God use you. I want to be used of God. But I don't want all of that to take place and then us walk out. And, and lose out on God. No, I would rather nobody know my name. Nobody remember me. Nobody knows what's going on. But in the end, I'm still here. I'm still praising God. I'm still loving God. He's still Lord of my life. I'm still faithful. Amen, amen, amen. Because the only thing that is going to be spoken over you in eternity is not well done, you wonderful singer. Not well done. You great preacher. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be faithful. So instruction requires faith. If you've never heard from God, if God's never spoken to you, if you've never felt impressed from God, if you've never read God's Word, and it not challenge you to change something in your life, and you didn't want to do it, you're not human. Come on, how many have ever had God ask something of you that you didn't want to do? Come on. Be bold. Ask something of you you didn't want to do. <clears throat> not only has it happened by reading His Word, things that I'll see in His Word, I read, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, there it is right there. Oh, man. You mean, ah. You want to argue over the blueprint. 
Ah, but ah, I really don't like that door in the side there. I really don't like the way you're, you know, God, couldn't we just, couldn't we just cheat? Couldn't we just make, I mean, isn't this good enough? Have you ever felt impressed of the Lord in the spirit that you are to do something? You are to do something. You are to give something. You are to serve in some way. You are to go. And your flesh says, no, I don't want to do that. I'd rather not do that. God ever called you somewhere to something for some time? Have you ever said never? And God shows up and says, let's see about that. And then God gives you instruction going forward. He challenges you. Instruction requires obedience. And instruction requires faith. I will take you to a place that you may not be necessarily looking to go, but he's doing it to save you from something that you definitely don't want to end up in. And so God tells Noah, Noah, build an ark. And then after he tells him to build the ark, after he does it for 100 years, now, Noah, you have to go into the ark. Enter the ark. You have to get in the boat. And that is the beginning of chapter number 7. Here, at the end of chapter 6, I want to highlight this, if you'll go with me real quick, and we'll come to a close here. He's emphatic in verse 17. Behold, I, I bring it to destroy all the earth. But in the verse 22, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So did he. Noah obeyed. And the Lord said, in verse 7, go ahead and read chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Mm -hmm. Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Yes. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. Yes. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Yes. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Noah did. Here it is, that obedience and that faith. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Read on. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters was was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Read on. Of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. Yes. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark. The male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. Yes. And it came to pass after seven days that that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. All right. So now we come to the second second point. The first point under covenant includes instruction was build the ark. The second point was now not only has he built the ark and he preached, he stood as a witness. He stood as a preacher. I mean, if you want to preach a sermon, you, you just go back to this day and you start building an ark and people are like, what in the world? I mean, it's hard, hard not to, to see an ark being built, this massive thing in land. Noah literally became a preacher. He became a prophet of what God was going to do. And now after 100 years, God says, enter into the ark. And now comes the test, the moment, because Noah knows once I go into that ark, I'm never seeing this world again. He's leaving behind his home. 
He's leaving behind his loved ones. There is grief that is there because Noah only goes in with his sons and his sons' wives and with his wife. He's forsaking everything, all of his friends, all of those that he's tried to reach. You know he had to have a burden for them. He's forsaking everyone, and now he's going in. God says you're going to go in, you're going to wait for seven days. Sitting in the ark for seven days while God brought the animals into the ark, and they go in there. This was an incredible supernatural gathering kind of thing that's taking place. And Noah's waiting. Now it's the test. Not only have I built the ark, but now we've got to forsake everything. Everything's going to change. And now we have to endure the storm. Now we've got to ride out the storm. He didn't go kicking and screaming, which many of us would, but he was resolute. And here's the scripture implying this. Not only did he do all that God commanded in a hundred years building the ark, but look in verse five. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him when it comes to forsaking everything, leaving everything, taking it up. He had prepared, he had storehoused food for the journey. He had packed up, he had, he had, he had put it all in the boat. And now he's coming in. Now he's, okay, he's putting his life in God's hands. I've lived a hundred years preaching. I've lived a hundred years building the ark. I've sustained it. Sometimes we can get plateaued at a certain place in the instruction that God gives us because we're comfortable, but there comes a time where God says, now you have to make the next step. That's hard. God, you prove. Abraham is going to have this problem later on when we look, right? He, he leaves his whole family. He leaves his homeland to go follow after God, to sojourn, to look for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. He's following after God. He's in the wilderness. And then God comes along and says, oh, by the way, there's something you don't know. You're going to have a promised son. God, my wife is past childbearing. I'm past childbearing. It's not going to happen. And Sarah laughs at him. And they plateaued. We were fine. We're okay to leave our homeland. We're okay to sojourn with you. But, but we're not okay to believe you for the next step. And Abraham messes up. And he gets with, with Sarah's handmaiden given to him as another wife. And he messes up because he has a hard time letting go and realizing what God is going to do. This is where Noah was at for 100 years. That's a long time to be at one level. You get pretty comfortable at that level at 100 years. And now God says, enter the ark. And the text implies this was a big thing, but Noah did all that God commanded him. He was 600 years old. And it came to pass, it closes this segment, it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And we'll close with that. We're going to come back next week and we're going to read through uh, the rest of chapter 7. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about the flood because this is one of the largest contested things. We'll talk about... Um, uh, some people say that the flood didn't actually cover the whole earth, that it just covered part of the earth. We're going to talk about why I don't believe that that is what the Scripture says here. We'll talk about the implications of the flood, maybe some logistical things. I'll give you some resources that you can go to. This is not far out. For scientists and agnostic and atheists that would say, oh, this, this is a ridiculous kind of myth, it actually really isn't that far out. There's all kinds of scientists that would say, that this is, this is not only probable, but we see evidence of some catastrophic event in our world today all over. And the point is this, that we can put our faith in the Word of God. 
And we want to take away the big takeaways, but we also don't want to just dismiss it as some allegory type thing that the Lord's teaching us. There's actually details that are given here. This actually happened. This is presented as it actually happened. This is not just a story to tell you about how God feels about sin. No, there is real judgment. God is a God of judgment. Stand together with me. I've gone too long. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Are you thankful for the grace and the mercy of God? Yes. Amen. So I know we're walking our way through this. We're going to try to speed it up. Amen. This is, this is good stuff, though. This is important stuff. So we'll come back with this, Lord willing, in a couple weeks, and we'll finish out chapter 7 here, and then we're going to get to the promises of God. In chapter 7 to 18, or, 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 or verse 18, rather, of, of the chapter 6, he says, I will establish my covenant with you. And that word establish there's a process in establishing things. And that, that establishing took a few hundred years in Noah's life. So God's trying to establish things in your life. And as the uh, children's song we used to sing, He's still working on me. Anybody can say He's still working on you? Oh, yeah. Amen. Are you thankful He's still working on you? Yes. Amen. Can you lift your hands toward heaven today? Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the truth of Your Word. I thank You for a sure a sure foundation that we have. And I pray right now, God, that your word would be inside of our hearts, that our faith would be in you, that when we leave and we traverse this life, God, that you would allow us to walk in obedience and faith. God, let us accept every instruction that you give. Let us seek the instructions that you give in our life and help us to trust you and to obey in all things and everything. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and somebody said in Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Shout unto God a hallelujah tonight.